for August 25th, 2014. This is episode one of the PHP Roundtable. Today's topic of discussion is the PHP community, PHP from the command line, and elephants. I'm your host, Sammy K. Powers. And at the table, I'm being joined here with one, two, three, four other awesome developers and a special guest of honor today, Mr. Cal Evans from Tennessee, who's, uh, who's been around the community for a very long time. His first computer was at the age of 14. He's worked with PHP for the past 13 years, and he's built PHP projects that are from range from simple web apps to multi-billion, multi-million dollar web apps. Have you done any multi-billion dollar web apps, um, Cal? Not yet, no, but I am oh. willing to if somebody's got the money. <laughs> uh, he enjoys building and managing development teams. He's working on a variety of projects, including Coder Fair, which is a two-day developer conference in Tennessee, right? Yeah, and a Nomad PHP where uh, you it's so I was looking at Nomad PHP, which is basically online talks from experts where you can learn new PHP related technologies, right? Oh, I think your your mic cut out there, Cal. Yep, no, I oh, didn't cut go. out. I just muted it. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Nomad is a virtual user group. We have two meetings a month: one in European time zone and one in the U.S. Eastern or Central time zone. Um, we have speakers that you would normally see at conferences doing the sessions you would see at conferences. We've had Davey on as one of our speakers um, this past month. We had Jeremy McCall. Macola, yeah, I yeah. think that's how you pronounce the name, from, um, that works for MongoDB, and Lorna Jane Mitchell um, as our speakers this month. So we have a variety of talks, and um, it's, you know, it, it's not a replacement for a user group, but if you don't have a user group and you can't get to conferences, this is a good way to at least get the content. Awesome. Yeah, it looked really awesome what I was looking at. Um, and you actually just posted, like, two videos from that, right? Like, there's you tweeted... Uh, Two tutorial videos. It looks like securing PHP. Um, is that right? Bitenbins, and then something about working with uh, Silex or Silex. Slim Framework. Yeah, um, oh, those slim. are our lightning talks. Um, in the U.S. meeting, talks. we have two lightning talks each month, and we post those on YouTube. So um, Ed Finkler did one on using Slim Framework, and Ben Edwins did one on securing PHP, and they were both both excellent. They're both available free of charge. Awesome. Like free of charge and learning. <laughs> um, you actually you have a, a podcast of your own, the PH, the Voices of the Elephant, right? The it's spelled PHP, and you interview uh, user uh, user group people or people that are influential in the PHP community. Um, that's... Or anybody who will get close enough for me to interview them. You know, I, you know, <laughs> I'm really not that picky. So <laughs> if you see me at a conference, come by. I will probably interview you. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Well, you're obviously very passionate about uh, growing the PHP uh, community, which is awesome. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you um, as the first kind of guest of honor at the roundtable, because uh, that's sort of the whole um, idea behind this thing is growing the community and learning. Um, so, uh, but I also like to introduce, uh, there's, Three other awesome people in the room. Davey. Hello, Davey. Here. Welcome. So where are you coming from again? Uh, so I'm from Tampa, Florida. Yeah, and what are your 
projects. What are you? What? Do you, how do you define yourself in a oh, sentence? Oh, oh, wait, no, no. I get to interview. I get oh. to introduce Davey, okay? Because Davey's actually been in the PHP community longer than I have. So oh when you keep saying things like I'm the guest of honor or anything, it's embarrassing, especially when we have a luminary like Davey, uh, Davey Shafiq or Shafik. It really depends on how drunk he is. So, uh, <laughs> but Davey is now the president of the U.S. Um, section, U.S. chapter, U.S. section of PHP Le Women. For lead, lead for PHP Women U.S. Okay, lead for the PHP Women in the U.S. A wonderful um, group. I was um, privileged to be on their board uh, for five, six years since when they since when they started to the point where I just got to where I, I was too busy and couldn't contribute. Um, he now works for Engine Yard as a developer. They, you're still with them, right? They haven't fired you yet. I so. am. Okay. Um, I, I, much too. Yeah. Okay. I know. Yeah. I, I've advised Eamon on this, but he still he keeps you around. So, but no, Davey has um, spoke at conferences worldwide and is one of the luminaries of the PHP community. So you have me here, and you keep introducing me, but we've actually got somebody who is special in the community here um, in Davey. And I didn't know if you knew who he was, so I wanted to take the time to introduce him. That, thank you very much for doing that. That's a much better intro than I could have it, ever done. I did actually met we met uh, at uh, I guess PHP Tech. Is that right, yep. Davy? That sounds um, great. Yep. Yeah, you were working the engine yard table. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know you were part of PHP Women. I, I saw a tweet um, where they were shipping out looks like a bajillion PHP elephants. Yep, that's what I've been working on the last weekend. Well, I've been working on it for a while, but actually physically working on it this last weekend. Well, and, so for, go ahead. It's it's been a lot of work, but they're all gone. They they left today. Well, half of them left today. Wow. So for those who are listening who has not heard about the culture, and uh, actually Cal is is holding up two um, elephants that um, you're not able to see if you're listening uh, in your car or something. But the, the, there's something about the PHP in the PHP community special about these these elephants. Davy, where did they come from? Like, are they are they handmade? Um, why does everybody want them? They're just like, everybody wants them. Like, everybody so, wants them. <laughs> I would guess probably, what, about 2000, Cal? Maybe a little bit later, 2003, something like that. Yeah, um, right around there. Uh, Colin, is it Colin? Is, is his name? No, um, uh, the, the, uh, the guy that designed it? Vincent. Vincent, Vincent. yeah. Yeah, Colin did the logo for PHP. Um, so uh, Vincent uh, designed the graphic, the PHP elephant, and it's spelled elephant with PHP there in the middle. And it's sort of become uh, not quite the official, but almost the official sort of mascot of PHP. And that was taken uh, by those guys and turned into a stuffed plushy toy, which was the original blue, plain blue elephant with the PHP logo on the side. And basically since then... Uh, we've had pink ones, uh, which were the original PHP Women ones, um, two other variants on the blue, um, which were uh, for ZenCon, and I believe Tech was the Oracle one. Uh, we've had a red one um, for ZenCon last year. The year before, we had a green one for Zen Framework 2. Um, now we have the, the purple PHP Women one, and we also have PHP Architect had one this last year. Uh, that They had Kickstarter also, which is, is kind of what prompted us to get, go that route. And so, yeah, they're, they're just sort of collectibles. Um, there's probably, I don't know, maybe 100,000 total in the world of all the colors wow. um, at, at most. Um, the rarest of them are the original blue and, and the original pinks, um, except for the prototypes that, that like I have and Cal, uh, uh, Eli has for, for PHP Architect. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're just collectibles. They're, they're kind of part of the way that we identify as a community and – Bond is a community, 
Um, I know. So I had actually had two of them stolen, the two rare ones, the blue and the, the, the pink from um, ZenCon last year. Yeah. And um, Adam Culp, who runs South Florida PHP and um, Sunshine PHP, he gave me an Oracle blue one, which I didn't have before. Um, Wim Golden got me a, an original blue, and Erica Ronaldo gave me a pink. Um, so, you know, it's just a, a wonderful kind of community thing. And, and, you know, we trade and we send them back and forth, which reminds me, there's also a yellow one for Sunshine that came out uh, this last year as well. So awesome. that's the one. And Kyle's got the yellow one. Kyle, have you, do you have all of them? <laughs> I have all of them. I have the first three generations of blue. Um, I have the Oracle one, which is largely considered defective, or at least slow. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but um, I have the Blue Zend one. I have, uh, well, I showed you all the ones. The only one that I don't have that Davey has is the purple one, and that's because he's hoarding them all, and he just shipped a bunch of empty boxes, but he's putting all the elements himself. We know this, Davey. Um, so the, the Blue Zend one, I, uh, Michelangelo Van Dam, Dragon Bee, he actually – he asked his son, and his son let me have that one. Um, so I need to I need to find a way to pay him back. But I do have the complete set, including the PHP Women prototype as well, um, which I've considered auctioning off. I kind of feel like there could be some some uh, that would be cool. donations. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd have to be a lot of money to make me part for it to make it worthwhile. Well, I, it's not going to me, but... I have two things in my collection. Nobody else has. First is the. Yeah, see if I can hold that up. The DPC-10 yeah. speaker's gift. That's um, It was made on a uh, 3D printer. It's a ceramic-type material. And not specifically PHP, but I have oh, a stuffed tequila. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Those one, are super rare. Yeah, they really are. Um, and I the way they come about <laughs> is at the end of the budget year. If they have budget left, that's what they spend it on. Um, so it's kind of you know an, an occasional thing. Yeah, um, and yeah, I keep I'm not threatening to steal my wife's and, so, and auction it off, but she won't let me. So <laughs> that's awesome. I'm always wondering if uh, Postgres will ever start joining in on the fun and have their own elephants because they have the little elephant logo. They um, do. Um, there are a few other companies also that have elephants, but uh, not quite as playful as ours. Yeah, so. totally. Well, uh, I'd like to introduce also uh, Mr. Kyle, who's um, joining in from uh, Chicago, right? That's right. Downtown Chicago. Awesome. Well, where are you right now? I'm sorry? What what streets, what cross streets are you at? Oh, I am right across from Wrigley Field. Ah, uh, oh, my yeah, goodness. I live pretty much in Clark and uh, Seminary Street, so Clark and Addison. That's awesome. I'm, I'm just like five blocks away from you right now. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's lovely. <laughs> well, uh, welcome. I met you at PHP Tech. Um, and what do you? What's your? What's your bio for the developer world? Uh, I'm relatively new to the PHP community. Um, I worked in Java for about four years, and then I went on and did AppSec testing um, for about two to three years, and then I went to PHP. Um, I've been in the PHP community for about six or seven years now, uh, so not relatively new. I tried to get the Chicago PHP user group started. Uh, so if anybody's in Chicago <laughs> trying to make that happen, um, they have a few uh, meetups out here. Um, but we're just, we're trying to get that happen right now. So. Um. Yeah, that's actually a, a really interesting topic that you bring up for for Chicago especially. And I really want to bring this up for Cal because Cal is like the the I feel like you're just the king of user group 
um, I don't know. You just you 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 enable is is the word I'm looking for. User groups, uh, local user groups. Um, I, we have a unique situation in Chicago where there's there was a PHP group and then it I guess converted over into like a more general kind of developer group. Um, and then uh, there was an, there's another group called LAMP, um, which is a great group. Um, I, I just went there like last Monday. It was wonderful. And we talked PHP, but there wasn't like a specifically PHP group. And the, the reason why I'm kind of struggling with whether or not we should have that is because when you're trying to connect in a city to a, a local group and you can't and you look for the keywords like PHP group and you can't find it, chances are you're, you're going to kind of miss this group that is called, I think it's refactor or something, um, which they got renamed to. Um, and so what is your advice on, um, I, I don't want to create a group like Kyle was saying, we don't want to create a group uh, that just says, Hey guys, here's a, here's a PHP group, even though you're kind of already doing it, but we're going to call it PHP group. Um, and in a city like Chicago where you've got millions of people, this is kind of important to think to call it PHP or does it even matter? I, I guess that's really the question for you, Kyle. Well, um, here in Nashville, we have quite a large uh, tech community, and we have um, everything from Erlang to .NET to Ruby um, to a, a thriving JavaScript group. And the PHP group is one of the oldest and still one of the ones that is um, doing very well. And it's not that we're exclusive. Matter of fact, most of us show up at the JavaScript group or at the WordPress developers group um, because WordPress is split into users and developers in Nashville. And so I'll see a lot of the same people at similar groups, but that doesn't stop us from being a part of the PHP group because there are times when we want to get together and just talk PHP shop, whether that's um, Laravel or Symfony or WebSockets or PHP 5.6 or, or whatever it is. There are things that you know the, the rest of these other communities just aren't going to be interested in. So I encourage everybody uh, in Chicago. I mean, you've got people like. Um, Larry Garfield uh, Krell on Twitter, um, who's based out of Chicago, um, works at, dang it, Palantir, sorry, uh, works at Palantir, and he's one of the core members of the Drupal community. Matter of fact, he's one of the architects of Drupal 8, and he's somebody you'd want to get involved, um, even if it's just to get him to come speak about some of the stuff that they're doing with Drupal and Symfony. The Drupal community is reaching out to embrace the PHP community, and the PHP community is embracing the Drupal community. And in Chicago, I think you've got a unique situation where you do have a lot of talent, and you don't have a group that is just focused on PHP. So I'd urge you to to get together and um, and try it out for a couple of months. And I know this because I used to be part of the team that ran PHP Tech. And every year we would go, well, let's invite the local group. Well, there's not one. So <laughs> we, I, I was always confused because one of the major conferences is um, right there in Chicago, but you didn't have a local group. Exactly. I, yeah. I remember not this year, the year before last, at PHP Tech, they had one person who drove. And they were from um, Minneapolis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One person, which is, is crazy, right? I mean, it is the largest, at least community conference, you know, that we have and, and no local community. It yeah. was huge. Yeah. And you've got enough talent in that area to put something together. I mean, Finkler's within driving distance. He could come mm -hmm. up and speak. And um, like I said, Larry, and Larry probably knows a bunch of people there at Palantir that would be happy to participate to at least get you going. You know, And if you can get critical mass of 10 people showing up on a regular basis, you're off and running. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, there's so many things that seem to be happening here that aren't even necessarily local to, to Chicago, like Jeremy uh, Mikla, um, the 
we just he's getting double mentioned at this time he's he's doing a little uh, impromptu uh conference called WorstCon because there's a, a hot dog place that's kind of going out of uh, out of commission here in Chicago and uh, he's throwing together a bunch of people last minute um, and it looks like some big names are coming or people or big names but you know people influential people in the community um, are, are thinking about coming so are, are any of you guys coming to WorstCon it's gonna be in September I heard of it I've heard of it heard I can't it. make it I'm in the same boat ah uh, won't won't well Kyle Kyle will certainly be there right Kyle Absolutely. Hot dogs is going down and soon enough, so we, we've got to make one more last run. Awesome. Well, so are, we have one more person that we haven't even talked to yet because she's been having some mic trouble. But, Victoria, are you? Are, did you fix your mic problems? Yeah, I actually um, I was having connectivity problems in general on my computer, so I'm just on my phone. Oh, well, that's cool. It's actually really good quality for your phone. I can hear you quite well. All right, so how, what's your um, experience? What kind of development stuff do you do? So I currently actually don't do any development stuff um, for not really even for hobbies anymore. Um, but about a year ago, I was in SEO uh, managing a WordPress blog. So PHP was important then. Um, my The core of my background is in Python, though. So um, I'm just kind of back and forth here and there, uh, kind of getting my feet wet with a lot of different languages. And I'm really just sitting in here to learn. So awesome. yes, well, welcome. That's, that's great. <laughs> well, maybe you'll have good questions too. Like whenever you feel any, like anybody at the table, if you just want to interject, have a question or anything, uh, that's what this thing is all about. So, um, all right. So Mr. Cowell, um, You've been in this kind of stuff for a long time. You're, uh, I, I was doing a little research um, on you, and you s found that your first computer was a, um, what was it, a TRS-80? Is that a Tandy computer? Yep. TRS-80 Model 1. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> I, I, that's a little bit uh, further back than when I first had mine, <laughs> which was uh, a Tandy 486. It was right before Tandy uh, became Radio Shack, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I was coding some QBasic. Did you ever have any uh, programming languages that you were coding on back there, back in those days, or was it just sort of a, um, oh, what's that game with the, the, uh, the scorched earth? The you know the little oh yeah, thing where you press the space bar and it shoots a little <laughs> 2D yeah. image. Played scorched earth. Um, no, back in the back in the day, uh, I, I saw my first one. You're referring to my my bio, and I saw my first um, TRSA Model One. A friend of mine had it, um, and um, he showed me this game that he had written where he could draw on the screen and with the space bar, and you know, you draw a pixel at a time. I'm sorry, a character at a time and um i thought it was just the coolest thing ever and I, that was i was 14 years old I, at that point i was like i know what i'm going to do for the rest of my life and um that friend of mine went on to design chips for compact there for a long time uh before he passed away but um yeah i just yeah i knew and it drives my kids and my wife up the wall because i knew from 14 exactly what i wanted to do i wanted to program computers um and i guess my first the first computer i actually owned was a Commodore 64, and um, I used to, I would write in BASIC on that. I actually wrote my one and only machine language routine on that, and um, my psychotherapist says I don't have to talk about that anymore, so we won't go into that, but um, that's, <laughs> that's really where I cut my teeth on it, and um, migrated to the PC, did FoxPro for a long time. Um, I was a member of the FoxPro community, spoke at a couple of the conferences, used to write for the magazines, and um, 
really enjoyed it. And there's a lot of parallels with the FoxPro community before Microsoft bought FoxPro and the PHP community today. I mean, once Microsoft bought it, they screwed everything up. But uh, before <laughs> then, we had a really great community. And um, they're not a sponsor or anything, are they? So, you know, we're not going to get any trouble. I don't, I don't have so. no sponsors. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, there was a lot of parallels because there was a lot of, um, hey, I need help with this. And back in the day, we didn't have the um, Internet, but we had CompuServe. And we were all on CompuServe. And somebody would post, I need help with this. And five or six people, including the people that were big names and regular speakers at the conferences and regular magazine writers and stuff like that, would pop in and say, well, here's what you need to do. It was a wonderful community. And, um, you know, it was great when I, I missed it for a long time after I left Fox Pro. And then when I found the PHP community, I said, this is what I've been looking for. It's, it's like we used to have with CompuServe, only it's so much bigger So, or with Fox Pro, but it's so much bigger now. So, Awesome. And it, well, when you started in PHP back then, what version was that? I started the very first version of PHP I ever coded on was the beta of 3.5. So that was Davey helped me out. Nineteen ninety nine ish. Actually, I came in at a uh, uh, four. Oh, okay. Well, now I was not an active member of the community. I, I did not think anybody else but me was using this language. You know, it was one of those. I was in a silo. Um, it was the story was I had two servers on the internet running uh, Windows Server and running ASP, and I had this huge application that I had written, and it was wonderful. And um, I got the bill for the upgrade from Microsoft. It was going to cost me fifteen thousand dollars in license fees just to upgrade to the new version. I said, well. Goodness. I can't do that. So um, I downloaded Red Hat 6.5, I think it was at the time, and installed PHP and MySQL and rewrote the entire thing in PHP in about six months. And honestly, I've never looked back. Um, it's just I've, I've moved on um, upwards. My skills have grown as PHP has grown. Uh, at least I like to hope they have. <laughs> but um, you know, these days I don't get to write a lot of code. Um, most of the stuff I write is for books and tutorials and classes that I'm teaching. Um, you know, people have wisely looked at my code and said, "No, we're not going to let you write anymore." So. Yeah. <laughs> you can't well, put it in production, but it's fine for an article. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, my, most of my articles say, "Don't copy." this and paste it into production so yeah. <laughs> was there a time when you were uh sort of building php as as it got kind of as it progressed and we got to the next version of php 4 and things like that um would you say that there was a time where you sort of realized that maybe that we're a little bit behind the times like when ruby on rails came out like we had all these php developers to just all jump over to Ruby and say, like, oh, it's the next best thing. And then, um, you know, a lot, a lot of those principles that made it really great, um, we've since implemented into PHP, like package management and auto-loading um, and namespacing. And all that stuff didn't wasn't even possible before PHP 5.3, because that's when that auto-loading feature came in, um, which is, if you, if you don't know, that's where you can just refer to a class name, and it, the PHP will know how to find that file and include it for you instead of having to include this file, this file, this file, this file, and pull all your files in. Um, it does it for you automatically, automatically, which is really so awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uniquely qualified to, to speak about specifically Ruby and PHP and, and Rails and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, so for people that don't know the history of Engineer, it started as a Ruby and specifically a Rails host. Um, and a lot of our tech is written in Ruby and Rails. So I, I deal with Ruby engineers on, on a daily basis. Um, as far as 
just what you were saying about auto-loading, auto-loading itself actually came in PHP 5. It was namespaces and therefore PSR 1 and all that stuff that ah, came in 5.3. Nice. Um, I've always said, and I actually put it in a blog post um, on, I did a history post on um, uh, sort of the 10 years of PHP 5, and I, I quoted myself, which is a terrible thing to do, but uh, I said, Ruby on Rails is the most significant thing to ever happen to PHP. <laughs> and I mean this wholeheartedly. Before Rails came out and kind of showed us as a community what we can do just by bundling design patterns together in a cohesive manner um, and designing applications in a, a very well thought out way through MVC separation of concerns and things like that, um, we were very much kind of all over the place. And Rails came out and then Cake came out and copied it and was terrible, but then it got better. <laughs> Um, and, you know, now we have Zen Framework and all these other, you know, Symphony 2, which is, uh, you know, amazing and all these kind of things. Um, but it really all started with Rails. Um, so I credit a lot of our current sort of maturity to the release of Rails uh, and, you know, the, the jumping ship that did happen. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's kind of my take on it. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting because Ruby on Rails, if you're suggesting that they pushed – PHP, you know, a few years ago, now you're starting to see Facebook and HHBM kind of push the performance side of, of PHP with the new versions. Because um, I know they were talking about PHP NG or 5.7 or yeah. 6, or I think it's officially called 7 or will yeah, be. Yeah, it's 7. Yep. Right, right. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. We're almost, we're not definitely not leading the pack. We're kind of following the pack to a certain extent. So I wonder if there's ever going to be a way that you know, maybe PHP does implement something that is, you know, new and upcoming rather than so, try to, to follow all the time. So I think um, as far as like performance, I think we've always been better on performance than Ruby than Python. We just use less resources. Um, we scale better than both of those languages because I see that every day. Um, but as far as leading the pack and features that lead the pack, we already have one. Um, and we've had it since like 4.0, which is PHP streams, which is the IO layer. And there is no other language that I've seen that has an IO layer that is as customizable in user land um, as that. And the closest thing and the thing I always equate it to, which is I think it's even gone now, is KIO from KDE, which was there um, in Conqueror. You could access sort of FTP, SSH, all those kind of things just straight in the URL bar. Um, and it would figure out the background transport and do whatever. Um, and, and so streams for me has always been one of the killer features of PHP, and it's it's very underutilized and under-advertised. And what, uh, but and no what other language really gets it. Oh, go ahead. No. Oh, okay. I, for those who are listening who, who have never worked with streams before, would you be able to sort of summarize what a stream is in, sure. in a, a TLDR version? So basically, um, anytime you do any kind of I.O., input output, um, whether that's on files or through HTTP or anything else that you can imagine, um, there's a layer in between the traditional uh, IO stuff and PHP. And what that layer does, it allows you to hook in and completely override the open, close, read, write portions of the IO to redirect them wherever you want. So what you can do then is have a URL that's like um, S3 colon slash slash and then a bucket name, for example. And rather than trying to hit the file system, it'll actually go out and hit the S3 API. And it's completely transparent to fopen file get contents and all the other file functions in PHP. They all support it. Um, and they're completely dumb as far as like knowing what transport's being used under the hood. So 
And that's that's actually quite interesting because an, an input stream could be, or input or output stream could be perhaps even a console interface, right? Like if you're working with PHP from the command line, for example, would, would that be considered yes. a stream when you're working with the input and output? Yes, awesome. it absolutely would. Well, that's actually, um, uh, Cal's actually wrote a book. He wrote a book about uh, working with PHP at the command line, right? Signaling PHP. Yes, but now that's not about streams. That's more about um, PC and TL um, signals. And um, in Unix um, uh, in Unix environments, we can um, send and receive um, signals. And so that's that's what that's about. Like um, you know, most people know the um, the kill command in Linux. Well, you can tell kill not to kill, but you can tell kill to send this other command. And like I've got one that I've got one long running process that I can send a um, a, a, a an SIG USR one, and it will email me its current stats. So I don't have to interrupt it to find out what the stats are. I just send it that um, command, and it'll package up the command, the the stats, and send it off to me. And so that's one use of um, signaling. The, another one, um, you know, everybody uses SigHub to to restart something or to tell it to go pick up its um, its configuration and refresh its configuration and start it over from scratch type of situation. And that's more about what um, signaling's about. It's not about streams. Uh, uh, Davey, I, didn't you start a book about streams one time? I, I did start a book about streams. So Where the hell two, is it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's, 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 two, there's, two, there's two sides to streams. There's the, the streams part, which is the actual transport layers, um, and the defaults for that are like TCP, IP, HTTP, FTP, and a few others. Um, file, of course. Uh, but then there's stream filters, and stream filters are really cool. They actually allow you to... Um, modify and interact with the data byte by byte as you pull it um, out of its or push it into its its resource. Um, and they're really cool, but where I ran into problems and why I never completed the book is I've never come up with a reasonable reason for implementing a stream in user land. All of the streams that I can think of to write, like strip HTML, um, encryption, decryption, uh, compression, those all exist already as part of PHP. Mm -hmm. I could never come up with a good example of a user land stream filter. Um, but stream filters are, are su supremely cool. Uh, and the ones that are there are really awesome. Like I said, compression, decompression, um, and uh, encryption and decryption. Um, being able to do that on the fly, on the, the content as it comes over the wire um, is extremely memory efficient and performant. Um, I'm going to pop it over to, to Twitter really quickly. We have a question from Sarah MG, which I think she's a core contributor, or she's been working on uh, Facebook's version of 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 PH, the PHP compiler uh, internals H HVM or Hip Hop VM. Actually, um, she is a core contributor. Is one of the old guard core contributors, and she's leading the charge for the H the, the PHP language spec and HVV HHVM. She also wrote a major part of streams yeah <laughs> so she i guess she knows what she's talking about she has two questions i'm going to ask the one that um uh is probably going to be um a quicker answer first she said uh what is your favorite color of elephant pink it's the hardest <laughs> to come by uh it's got to be my my own purple one the uh the, the prototype just because it is unique yeah <laughs> Anybody else have a favorite color elephant? I'm working on my first one. Still don't have one yet. Same here, man. Same here. I I almost got one at PHP Tech, but I missed it by just a second. It was I was really 
I was really upset. I didn't realize how much I really wanted one until I almost had one. Rumor uh, has it Zen's going to have a new one at ZenCon. So, and anything, anytime you see Adam Culp at a conference, chances are he's got at least one spare tucked away in a suitcase. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I know he's exactly traveling nice. with them for a while. <laughs> um, and her next question was. Uh, NG or HHVM? Um, oh, no, no, no. I was telling her that I would answer PHP questions, and she asked me if I would answer NG or HHVM questions, and I said I'd answer anything 3.5 to 4.0. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I, 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 thought thought I, I can answer that question, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I, I love HHVM. Um, it's definitely uh, an amazing piece of, of code. Uh, hack is really cool. It's kind of the first time I've really sat down with a language that has like hard types because um, I've been a PHP guy and a JavaScript guy, and that's kind of it, a um, little bit of Python. Um, so it was very cool for me to tackle problems using the type system. Um, but PHP NG is drop-in, I mean, at least as far as the user land is concerned. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's kind of a hard win. If the performance coming out of PHP NG, which isn't even a JIT, um, is good enough, then I would pick NG. So just to, um, we, for those who, who don't know what a JIT is, right? Um, it's a just just in time run. What is compiler. it? Just in time. Just in time compiler. Right, and um, so that's so, uh, right now. Um, when when you run a PHP script, it kind of gets compiled on the on the fly, right? And it's yeah. converted into. So, well, so there's actually two different parts to this. So there's the the part you're talking about, which brings in opcode caches, where it's compiled on the fly. Um, and normally is just done every time you run the file. An opcode cache will save that compilation, and instead of doing it every time, we'll just pull it out of memory. What the JIT in HHVM does is it actually looks at the code as it runs and looks for what's called hot paths. And these are things that run very commonly. Um, the more often they run, the more chance they are that they're going to be picked to be jitted. And what jitted means is it takes those opcodes and then actually transforms them directly to machine code. So at that point, you actually get code that is as fast as something that you've written, hopefully as fast as something you've written in, say, assembly, um, because it is basically at that level of code at that point. And and what HHVM and NG do are sort of work on this whole process of converting your your scripts into something that will actually run. And what is what is what's the the difference between HHVM and NG? Um, NG is not a JIT. It does not do that last step of compiling to a machine code. Um, it is just a much faster version of the uh, original compilation to opcode stuff and then and running it, those opcodes. And it also doesn't support uh, any additional syntax, right, like HHVM does? No. no and HHVM uh, was is Facebook's project, and they basically rewrote PHP to make it go faster. And on top of that, they added new features to the language um, to give it um, a little bit more... Um, uh, strongly typed um, type syntax. So right now PHP is duck type or dynamic type. So you don't have to declare that this variable is an int and it can only ever be an end. But HHVM sort of added, added that feature so you can add strict uh, type variables. So that's kind of cool. Um, so all the typing in HHVM is actually static analysis type stuff. Um, so the idea is that it does it during development um, and will find problems like, hey, you passed an integer to this string function. Um, at runtime, it actually is, is duck type like, like PHP is. Um, but that's good because you can screw up and it'll still work. Yeah, totally. Cool. Well, um, Kyle, I think you said you were about to say something, but you got cut off there. But... Yeah, we, I mean, we actually had the interesting conversation at work because we're trying to figure out um, right now we're running a, a, a Zen Framework 1 platform. Um, and we're looking towards another uh, framework. And one of the things that popped up was Falcon. And uh, so 
we had discussions with Falcon for a long time. And one of the things we worried about was if Falcon was going to be, or if they were going to support HHVM or, um, uh, or even PHPNG. And in IRC, they said they would support PHPNG, um, but they actually made the comment they might not support HHVM just due because of the, you know, uh, low rate of use right now. I think they quoted like 2%, 3%. I don't know. But that's actually one of the, the factors in our thinking is that some of these uh, extensions might not be ported over. And therefore, that's why we're actually probably going to take the safer route because we don't need the speed. I think Dave already alluded to, you can actually scale out pretty well, you know, just using simple load balancers. So we don't need the, the runtime speed as much as, you know, it would be nice but we just can't really risk uh, an extension just not working with them. And this is a very specific case because we are talking about Falcon, but um, you know that's kind of one of the reasons we're, we were looking towards PHPNG and not HHVM at this point. So um, a lot of, uh, most extensions are gonna need updating anyways for NG, but certainly not rewriting, which is what they have to do for HHVM. Right. Uh, one of the things that is really cool about HHVM, um, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of the performance of it, the majority uh, or a lot of the extensions for HHVM are actually written in PHP. And then they compile that through the JIT. And what they found when they did that is in some cases it was faster than them writing the extensions in C++. Um, so, I mean, that, that speaks very heavily to the performance. Um, but at the end of the day, your still bottleneck is probably still going to be your database and your disk. Yeah, it's absolutely. Right, right. It's, 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 still, it's just interesting. Some of the extensions that we're, we're talking about, um, some of the things that we're talking about doing even right now, I'm wondering if HHBM becomes popular, If would it be beneficial if someone were to write a framework as an actual quote-unquote extension, even though it might be in PHP? Is that an advantage or not? I'm not really familiar with HHBM enough to know that. Anyone? Anyway. I'm wondering if it would be an advantage, you know? I think, yeah. I think we'll see. I mean, if H I mean, you have to remember, like, Wikipedia just switched or is switching to HHVM. That's massive. Um, right. You know, Facebook might be the most popular site on the Internet, um, but they have a very kind of different workload. So I think a lot of sites. Um, Wikipedia, though, is a, an exact model of most sites, which is very read-heavy, a um, little bit of, of, you know, content changes. And it's a very simple site. Um, but they're the number five site on the internet, right? So they just switch or are switching to HHVM. Um, so that says a lot, I think. Uh, I would say the weakest point on HHVM is extensions. Um, but I mean, if you're talking about, you know, getting extension type performance out of say straight Zen framework, just because it's written in PHP and running through HHVM, then that's a huge win. That's awesome. Yeah, but um, I mean, HHVM's done two things. First of all, if you're Facebook or if you're Wikipedia, yes, you need this kind mm. of performance. Yeah. And I can understand why they would do that. And I understand that a lot of companies are um, experimenting with it, but it, you know, it, it's a novelty at best for most people. I mean, 99.9% of the sites out there do not need something like that. But to me, the one thing that HHVM has done is it has kicked the core team in the butt. Yes. And they are now back, they're, they're um, getting things together. You had alluded to uh, earlier, you asked a question, you know, was, it, was there ever a time when I started looking around at um, Ruby and things like this? And no, there's not been. Um, the, I'm not dead set on PHP, but I've just not found a, 
um, a language or a problem that I needed to solve that PHP wouldn't do. But there was a time, and I would say 2007 to maybe 2010, where you know we we kind of went through a um, a lull. Uh, the the core was unorganized. Uh, we had core, uh, major core developers leave. We didn't have a lot of people replacing them. We, we just really didn't have our crap together. Well, now the core is back. And thanks in a large part to what Facebook and Sarah are doing, thanks in no small part to um, Liz Smith and her mentoring efforts to get more core developers out there and going, the core is back. And um, Sarah is, to the best of my knowledge, incorporating some of the stuff out of HHVM that makes sense into the um, the core language. But the things that aren't the easy wins, you know, we're, we're um, we're seeing taking place in RFCs. We just had an RFC for um, abstract, abstract syntax tree. Is that it, Davey? AST? Did I get that yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, and things like that. But we're starting to see the core get back together and get, get the language rolling. And, and I credit that largely to HHVM and um, the, the effort that Facebook is putting forth to it and, and cannot thank Facebook and Sarah enough for doing that. That's an excellent point. Yeah. yeah, it's the language spec that they put forth, um, with, coupled with the AST means PHP seven is probably going to be the most cohesive and sane version of PHP we've ever had. Yeah, and it's fast. I mean, the the benchmarks that we're seeing so far, NG is um, faster than the current version by twice as much, I think they said, or something like that. I mean, um, Zev Saraski, part of Zend, um, and one of the two that wrote the original Zend engine, uh, was doing benchmarks there for a while. And, um, you know, he, he was showing the, the, speed perform, the speed increases with the next version, and I'm excited with what they're doing. And I think with every version release, they always make sure that um, PHP internals always make sure that the that it's always going to be faster than in the next version, right? Like they'll never I'd like take to the think next that, version. but no. Um, <laughs> there's a trade-off. Yeah. Well, when we hit five and five one and even five two, uh, five two was a little faster, but five and five one were were resource pigs. Uh, matter of fact. This past um, January, I moved my personal server from 5.2. I had some old code, but I moved from 5.2 to 5.5, and without doing anything else, it doubled my performance of all my applications. That's how much of an increase you're see- we're, uh, I'm seeing. Wow. And, but 5.0 and 5.1 were not like that. So, no, it's not a for granted. Like Davey said, it's a trade-off of features and performance. But they're at least now watching that, and um, I'm thrilled about that. Yeah, five six doesn't really come with any performance increase, but it doesn't decrease either, right? Which yeah. is always a good thing. So yeah, definitely whenever features come up on internals, performance has always been looked at, but it's always been, you know, is it worthwhile having the degradation in performance, and how can we at least not make it worse? Yeah, so. you meant. You mentioned Liz Smith earlier from Internals. She is amazing. I met her at PHP Tech this year, um, and she was inspiring i actually contributed to php core like i believe it or not i don't i don't program a a single line of c and this is something i don't think a lot of people realize um is that uh, php actually has functional tests written in php so you can go and find where there's little test coverage um uh, there's uh, a website i'll put it in the show notes um, where you can go to actually see what percentage of code is covered, and then find something that's not covered, and then write a functional test in PHP, something you already do. So you can be a, a core internals developer without actually knowing any C, which is what PHP is written in. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
She's awesome. I lo- love her. Um, so I wanted to switch gears just a little bit and um, talk about PHP at the command line a little bit more, just just because I think this is a concept that a lot of developers um, maybe haven't seen the light of working with PHP in the command line. Uh, does anybody have any thoughts on why why you might, as a PHP developer, use PHP on the command line? I had no idea you could. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm of course kidding. <laughs> Davy. The, the number one reason, the number one reason is because we're lazy, right? We know PHP, it does what we want, and, and we, we can use the language. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I've not written huge amounts of production command line code. It's always small utilities, things like that for my, my personal use. Um, I've written so many scripts to parse CSVs over the last month for the Kickstarter, you know, things like that, all command line tools. Um, it, it predominantly is because we're lazy. There are better languages for command line stuff like Python. Python's amazing for the command line. Um, but I have written daemons and, and gearman jobs and gearman work and the stuff that effectively are command line code, and they work fine. I mean, it, it works. So. And, and that's the, the real problem that I have with learning Python or learning Node or learning um, Ruby and Rails. It's not that those are inferior technologies in any way. It's just that for what I do, I can solve my problems with PHP and solve them in a way that gets the job done. I mean, the command line stuff I write um, these days is mainly to support um, Nomad PHP. And they're just one-off. You know, I run these scripts once a month. Well, I don't need performance on these things. I mean, if it takes the script 10 minutes to finish, I'm okay with that because it's a once a month type thing. So I don't need Python's performance or something like that. And I don't need, um, you know, Node.js to, to do, um, you know, event driven or anything like that. It, it, PHP does the job and Davey's absolutely right. Matter of fact, that's a whole section of the talk that I do on um, PHP from the CLI is why do I do this? I do this because I'm lazy and I know how to use PHP and I hate bash scripting. So it, it's the way I do it. Yeah, I, I think the only the main reason I use it is is to run my tests um, to mm-hmm. to see what kind of test coverage I have with PHP unit from the command line. Um, but uh, speaking of tests, um, are you guys are you guys test driven developers or um, <laughs> there's uh, been a a lot of talk about whether you should start writing a test. I, I, test I'm, your, I'm a test-driven developer advocate. <laughs> That's an excellent way to put it, Davey. I, I missed that. What, what was that? <laughs> I'm a test-driven developer advocate. I see huge benefits in test-driven development. Um, 99% of the work that I've ever done has been on existing code. And I've never had the time or the inclination to go ahead and write tests for it. Um, if I'm working on a project like Zen Framework 2, if I contribute code, I always make sure I have tests for that. And that's fun. It's good. It's great. Um, all that kind of thing. But for my own personal stuff, quite honestly, quite frankly, I just don't have the time. Yeah. So I advocate it. It's a great thing. Uh, and I think somebody said it best. At this point, I don't think we need to actually, we don't need to advocate it anymore. You're either doing it or you're not. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, if you're not, you're aware of the risks. Right. You know? um, and and I, I'm the same way. This is my, very much a do as I say, not as I do situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote my very first article just recently on unit testing. It was unit testing for a WordPress plugin that I wrote. And um, it, you know, it's it, it was the very first unit test that I've ever written. And it's not because I disagree with the concept or anything. It's usually that um, I, I'm very ADD. I've got a problem, I need to solve this, I get the problem solved, and I'm off to the next thing before I bother to finish 
It's the same reason I rarely bother to put exceptions in the code that I'm going to be the one that's running. If it errors, I know it hit an exception. I'll fix it, and I'll start it again. It's not that it's a best practice or even a good practice. It's just the way that I code. Yep. To, to get some benefits to what why did you test driven development because a lot of people are saying uh, you know maybe you're just too lazy or you just you already have a legacy code base one of the things that is good you know as a daily developer when I'm going through code and I'm trying to figure out how to build a class or an API I get to play with the API using tests before I even implement the API so it kind of in my head forms how the object should work together. Right, and, and it almost yes. gives me an idea of how, you know, from a specific software pattern, you know, which one should I use, mm-hmm. you know. So, just give you an example today, and, and this goes back to also the command line development. Um, one of the reasons that we use PHP in the command line, um, I mean, it's through cron jobs, but these things can be run manually too, is that it we have a lot of code that's already models. They already have SQL written to them. We don't want to write anything else. We don't want to write in Python another SQL. So we simply attach to it, use the PHP all this as an API, and it's it's self-benefiting. You know, we use PHP in the command line. We have models. We use those models. We duplicate code. And like everybody else said, yes, you can do those things to make them a little bit faster. But, you know, if it runs three minutes or three and a half minutes or even five minutes, I don't care. It's nine times out of ten, it's a background job that I'm creating. So, yeah, I mean, to to loop back again, test-driven development helps me create uh, those kind of inner workings between the models and even the command line. Because I'll sit there and try to figure out what switches I want. And based upon the switches I want for that command line tool – uh, I can kind of figure out what test I need, you know, back and forth. So it works I, for me very well. I completely agree with that. It's it's one of the big benefits of it. I, I will sit there and write code against an object I haven't written yet. I don't do it as a test. I just write the code. Um, but I, for the same purposes, though, to kind of test how it feels. Um, there's a, a great service called apiary.io, I think, that does – uh, kind of a similar thing for actual APIs, like uh, REST APIs, where you can actually you document them first, and it'll generate a mock service that you can then write clients again. Uh, but, you know, so you, you don't even have to write the service or, or any code for you. You just write your documentation, and then you can start querying this mock, uh, which is really cool. So I, I, I completely – you've hit the nail on the head for me, the biggest benefit of TDD, or tests at least. Um, and I think TDD helps you to learn how to code better because TDD uh, test driven. Like when you write a test first, you're kind of thinking of the smallest piece of information you need to to get something to work. And I think when you when you kind of break up your code into these tiny smaller and smaller parts and start adding layers of abstraction, you're starting to get closer to a, a model that's more maintainable over time. And that's one of the benefits that I've actually learned from from testing my code. And I don't always test everything, but I do test when I have like an open source package. I need to prove to everybody that everything works. Uh, so I think those are one of the cases where, yes, you're going to need a test. But like if you like my blog doesn't have any tests and I've got um, all kinds of bad practices, but they're just quick and dirty. And it, it, I think the answer to a lot of questions is always it depends. Uh, and this is definitely one of those cases. Uh, but test, but to learn it, um, I would if you don't have any experience with uh, testing or writing tests, um, you know, write tests for your blog and learn how to do it. Um, 
in my also, Chris Hartz's books are excellent. Mm -hmm. um, Grumpy Programmer. Um, yes. I forget the URL, but you can go out and Google for Grumpy Programmer. But he's got a book on writing testable applications, and then he's got a unit testing cookbook, and those are um, great resources. And then a PHP units documentation is is phenomenal. Sebastian's done a wonderful job at making sure it's well documented. Lots of good examples that'll get you started. Oh, love, love PHP unit. Do you guys use um, anything other than PHP unit to write tests? Because there's a couple of uh, different options out there. No, I, I use PHP unit for everything. I mean, we, I have a few things that I add on top of PHP unit, but yeah. But they have aspect mock and things like that that I use. But for the most part, it's pure PHP unit. Does anybody so use I, I, Mockery to mock? I mockery? have not used Mockery. It's pretty slick. Uh, I've, I've, I've never gotten to that point in unit testing where I've gone that far. Um, the only time I've done mocking was actually with the Lithium framework, and they have their own testing. They don't use PHP unit, um, which it was, it was kind of fun. Um, but I've also looked at Codeception, which is yep. built on top of kind of PHP unit as well as um, BHAT, and it, it does integration testing as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks kind of cool, but again, I've never kind of gotten to that point where I've needed to write those kind of tests. So I've not actually used it. And yeah, Codeception is really helpful for like legacy code and trying to figure out um, more like black box unit testing. I don't know what you would call that, almost behavior driven. Not really. It's kind of the output of everything. But yeah. Codeception actually helps really, really well in trying to figure out legacy code and, and wrapping – writing PHP unit tests for legacy code is just impossible. I don't do it. But I will try to – figure out the black box part of it, and Codeception actually helps with that a lot. So what you're referring to, I think, is um, called functional tests. I, I, everybody's got a different word for this, and they use different words in different communities, but um, functional tests meaning sort of this higher up level of abstraction, almost at the very top, where you're writing tests that act like an actual user. I click on this button, and it's supposed to do this. Uh, that's so, kind of thing. So my understanding of all this is unit testing is discrete small pieces of code. Yes. Functional testing is larger pieces of code, but you're still calling the code. And then integration testing is literally like mimicking a browser or controlling a browser and checking actual output. Yeah, and um, I think so you're, probably, you're probably right on that. Um, I, 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 just, I guess that's just kind of what for I me, picked I just, I just go, I throw it into two buckets. It's uh, If it's a little higher up, abstraction is called functional test. But, I mean, it's, the funny thing is I've heard so many different um, words on it, but it's, it's all good, though. But I, actually, I got a question for Cal. Um, Cal, you you focus so much on the PHP community and and specifically like local user groups and things like that, and you just seem to have this passion for the community. What is it that that drives you for that? Um, actually, my passion is for developers. Um, I, I believe uh, most of the developers that I know want to get better, and so I want to do everything that I can to help them get better. And if you look at the projects I've been involved in in the past 10 years, uh, most all of them revolve around helping developers get to that next level. And one of the things that I feel very strongly about is that in the PHP community, one way that you get better is being an active member of your local user group. I mean, there's just no better way. Uh, we've got a great community here in Nashville. I they, they For some reason, they allow me to be part of the leadership. I'm really not sure why <laughs> I don't do anything. Um, but Jacques Woodcock and um, Ben Ramsey, Ryan Weaver, and Bill Ingram all do a wonderful job in making sure that we have good speakers and that we have an organized meeting and now we have a lunch meeting for those who can't make the evening meetings and stuff like that we've got a thriving community 
I used to be the one guy in a silo, and you know, I was I was excited when I found PHP Architect Magazine way back in the day, right after Marco started it, because that meant that somebody was doing something like what I was doing, and I could learn from their experience. Well, once I discovered that, and then I started discovering that, hey, there's all these other resources in the community that you can use to learn and grow and become better. Some of them free, some of them not free, and I'm okay with paying for good quality stuff. But um, you know, the, once I learned that there's all these other resources, I just wanted to make sure that every developer I meet understands that the PHP community is there to support you. We love helping other developers grow and um, you know, but we, we also feel believe very firmly in a pay it forward. I'm going to help you not because I want you to owe me, but I'm going to help you because somebody helped me along the way. And so I'm going to pay it back. And it's your job to make sure that you help somebody else, whether that is answering the question in IRC, speaking at a user group, or starting a podcast. You know, all these are ways that you can help other developers. That's so awesome. That's that's that's. I totally agree with you. I just even helped somebody out yesterday, and they're like, "Oh, I've been working on this for weeks. How can I pay you?" I'm like, "Dude, just just help somebody else who's got a question, or or help somebody else learn the same exact problem." And it's it's great because I think the whole community is like that. I was so surprised yeah. when I came to PHP Tech for the first time, which was this year. I'm just discovering this community even exists, um, and they're 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 awesome people. I really like them. They're passionate, and they're totally willing to help people from internals to just people who wrote the framework. Um, when I, I was there, I, I actually uh, sat next to these guys at lunch. There was two guys just sitting there, and uh, they had some Symphony logos. And I was like, hey, you guys code in Symphony or something? And uh, one of the guys was Fabian, who wrote Symphony <laughs> framework. Uh, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I coded in a little bit. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then the, the, his friend was like, he actually wrote it. So uh, he's, he's being humble. <laughs> but it's but it's so cool. Like they just, They're very approachable. Um, so it's... A, I, I, really... I, I always like to use the analogy or simile, whatever the heck it is, that um, we're all kind of climbing a ladder in, in knowledge. And there's all, one, one thing is there's always someone behind you on that path. Um, so when you think that you don't know anything and you're just starting out, the truth of the matter is, is that you even know that there is something to learn. And there's someone behind you who doesn't even know that, right? So reach down, pull them up to your level. Right. And then look at the person ahead and talk to them and they'll do the same for you. And we kind of all raise ourselves up. And if we didn't have that, we wouldn't we wouldn't even have we wouldn't have PHP at all. Um, I mean, you look at internals, as Cal said, you know, we kind of had a lull for a little while as we lost a lot of people. Um, and, you know, as new people are coming in, um, you know, teaching each other and, and working together, um, we, we really can't do it without kind of supporting each other. Yeah. Um, and yeah. to build on that analogy, I feel that it's my job and it's Davy's job and a lot of us that are um, – I don't want to say prominent or leaders because I, I don't really believe I'm a leader in the community. What I am is a very vocal member of the community. Um, but it's my job and Davy's job and several of us other ones to get out there and show people where the ladder is because once they find the ladder, they're willing to climb and they're willing to help the next person up. But there's so many people out there that – like you. Had no idea until you went to tech that this community was there. And I just – I love that you're excited about the community because, quite honestly, I'm old. I'm getting tired. You know, I've only got a few more years left in me. So I'm glad that we've got a new group of leadership coming up, people like you, people like Davey, that are going to be there and help, uh, help the next group of developers find the ladder. 
And it, you know, it just it really excites me about that. And you're right, everybody's very approachable. I mean, you've got uh, Fabian. I, I love him. I interviewed him right after Symphony One, and he's very nice. Um, you've got guys like Paul Jones, who wrote the Aura Framework, and um, Matthew Wirofenry, Supreme Allied Commander of Zen Framework. Salute, um, who, who's just as nice as can be. I mean, you you can sit down next to him, you'd start. You'd never realize that the guy has forgotten more about PHP than you'll ever know. And yet he'll sit there and he'll talk to you at your level and he won't talk down to you. You know, and um, you know, it, it extends all throughout the community. And I'm just it's wonderful to be a part of a community that believes that we've got to bring up the next generation and we owe it to them because people helped us. That's that's such a, a such a I, I, I that your whole quote there should just be its own snippet and like you know be a paste paste it on the php.net website. <laughs> um, but uh, Cal, you you've had several um, tweets that uh, that kind of rant or not rant. Uh, I would say kind of call out people who refer to developers as resources. Um, and I, it's really interesting that you 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 said that because I, I've actually had a scenario where recently where there's one of my clients who was referring to developers as resources, and every time he says it, it's like nails on a chalkboard a little bit. Like what? Where, where does that where does that come from uh, in your experience? Um, it, the concept uh, I've been saying this for a long time, but that particular tweet, which by the way is the most popular tweet I'd ever done. Um, Twitter has an analytics page. I downloaded the um, analytics um, the other day just to look, and that tweet has been retweeted more than 26,000 times. No, I'm sorry, 2,600 times, and um, 250,000 people have seen it. And I, I just I'm constantly amazed because people are still retweeting it. But the tweet is. Um, if you call managers, if you call your people res or your developers resources, they get to call you overhead. And it, it was not original. I did not think this up. I've been saying similar things for quite some time, but this was not original. I stole it from somebody. Um, whoever was the original author, I apologize for stealing your tweet. I don't remember who it was. Um, but it, it, yeah, it, it, it really has caught on. And um, I've been, I'm working on a, uh, a book on um, how to find and hire PHP developers. And um, so I've been blogging and tweeting an awful lot around the concept of managing and um, things like that. And it seems like every now and then I'll tweet something out that really hits a nerve, and it's always like that. And I think the problem is you've got so much pent-up aggravation, and a lot of it comes from, at least in my experience, a lot of it comes from developers who be managed by non-developers. And I have said, and I've lost friends over this, if you're not a developer, if you've never been a developer, you have no business managing developers of any stripe. And um, that's because you have no concept of what's involved in software development. Um, you know, I, I've had managers who would tell me, well, this shouldn't take more than three weeks. And I'm yeah. like, how would you know? He said, well, we got a, we got a, a marketing meeting in three weeks. We need it done. Like, but, but that has nothing to do with the technical reality that this is going to take two months, you know? I'm so, um, I, I, yeah, I, I keep hitting a lot of um, nerves like that. And I, keep, I, I hope I keep hitting them because the more developers will retweet this stuff and the more people will see it, maybe people will start t treating developers with a little more respect and a little less like cogs that can be simply replaced. You know, if this one wears out, I can put another cog in the machine. It's just not the way it works. Yeah, absolutely. Well, kind of to add to that, but on the flip side of it, as a developer, we all also have like a responsibility to management to make sure that they're informed, they understand what they're asking for, and the second that they go, well, why should I add 30% of my time 
just for you to test. Why don't you just do it right the first time? <laughs> Being able to prove why these things are important. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's usually from, you know, well, the previous guy didn't write unit tests, but we are and we have less bugs. Unfortunately, that's the proof. That's yeah. why I think we see people move around so quickly. But for the most part, if you can inform and even be truthful about it, whenever a manager asks you, you know, how long is this going to take? Saying I don't know the very first time is an okay answer. Basically yeah. say, well, give me give me a day or give me a half a day, give me a few hours. I got to go figure this out exactly. And you know they should be able, they should be okay with that. If they're yeah. not, then that kind of proves the whole. Well, maybe they really don't understand how to manage developers, and that kind of reflects more upon them than you. Yeah, and I have a blog post um, somewhere on my blog um, similar in nature to that. It talks about deadlines, but it talks about the fact that a development team that has no say in the deadline, when the deadline, what the deadline is, I feel has no responsibility to hit the deadline. On the other hand, if management comes to you and says, how long is this going to take, and you say three weeks, then you have a responsibility to do what it takes to hit that. If the team got together and said this should take us three weeks, then you know, if you've got to work nights and weekends at that point to make it three weeks, you're the one that committed to that, and I feel like you have that responsibility. Um, but I have railed against managers just coming to me and saying, well, we've got a, we've got a trade show in three weeks. Uh, we need this feature. Well, to, to tad about that, being a developer, it's almost like, uh, yeah, it's going to be in three weeks, but the second you add some scope to it, Oh yeah, that might change a little bit, and so it's just it's just a clear conversation I've with. I always them. said explain that the entire management and below management, whatever you want to call it, worker uh, conversation is always about managing expectations. So when a manager comes to you and says, "We have this amount of time, and this is what we need done," your responsibility is not to say no or it's impossible. Your responsibility is to say, "Give me." an hour to look at this because you really need to kind of figure out what, what it is they're talking about. And I will come back to you and tell you if it's not feasible, how much of it we can do in that time. What, you know, what, what sacrifices can we make that are responsible so that we can get something by your deadline. Right. Um, and on the flip side, as Cal said, once you commit, you are responsible for that. If you are going to slip though, it's again about managing responsibilities. As soon as you kind of notice slip happening and it might be, you know, we call it scope creep when our boss comes to us and, you know, piles on something new. But scope creep also happens sort of organically when a technical issue comes up that you didn't quite see, right? Yeah. And now there's your yak shaving and these kind of things. It's your responsibility to go to your management and manage their expectations. Hey, something cropped up. It's going to add a little time. I don't know how much right now, but I'll keep you apprised of, you know, just how much we may or may not slip. Yeah. Right. So managing expectations is key on both sides of that conversation. Absolutely. Man, you, you, that's the key word right there is managing expectations. One of the concepts in, in uh, Buddhist philosophy is that expectation is the root of all suffering. So if you're able to remove all expectations, then you won't suffer. So uh, and it's not, uh, not to get religious, but the, the concept is actually really true. When you, when you don't have this big exception or this big desire for something to happen, um, you can't be disappointed if it doesn't happen. But like as a developer, I think one of my, my biggest skills is just trying to manage expectations and manage that within scope. Like you mentioned scope creep or feature creep, that stuff uh, can get really out of hand. And if you just say, if they say, well, let's just add this little feature here and this little feature here over time, that really adds up to a just completely different thing. And that's, that's a, it's a hard challenge. I think as a developer to, to stay within scope. I also say the same thing about speaking at conferences. Um, whenever I go to a talk, 
and I come out of that talk and I hear people who didn't like the talk. It's always that wasn't what I expected. Um, it's it basically the, the person who submitted the abstract, the title and the abstract, did not manage the expectations of the audience. You'll always hear that was too easy. It was too hard. It wasn't what I expected. Um, they didn't cover this thing that I wanted. Um, therefore, it was useless to me. It's generally not that guy was a bad speaker. That girl was a bad speaker. Um, it's generally just they didn't get out of it what they expected. And therefore, for them, it was not a good talk. Um, so that's what I say about, you know, when you're writing your abstracts, you have to manage expectations in it. Clearly state what you're going to cover, how you're going to cover it. Um, and then also I say make your title good because typically when people pick the talks, that's all they're looking at. Uh, <laughs> so be concise. Cover. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, um, I, man, I've got so many other questions here. I, get, I wrote the show notes uh, before going live. And I just, you know, we've already been talking for an hour. So I, I would like to wrap it up in this. I have this section that, I thought um, we could tackle with every episode. And the title is Something Old, Something New, Something Borrowed, and Something Deprecated. So in terms of PHP, uh, what do you guys think? What's something that's been around in PHP for a really, really long time, but is still awesome? Oh, still awesome. Oh. Still awesome. Streams. <laughs> yeah, streams. True. Coming full circle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, they, they really are. Um, I, I taught a class um, when I was living over in Europe. Um, I taught a class. It was when Davey, it was when I was over in the UK. Uh, I, I'd go over to the UK to um, speak and taught a class. And one of the things that we were teaching was streams. And the amount of stuff that you can do with streams is, is just phenomenal if you just figure out that you can do it. And the problem is it's like the SPL. Yeah, we know we got it. Do you use it? No, I just haven't figured it out yet. Well, if you spend the time to figure out what streams can do, it'll change the way you write programs. So th I think streams are awesome. Awesome. Old things that are still good, streams. Um, what about something brand new in PHP or something that's still that's coming up, that's coming soon? I really, really like variatics and Splat. Um, we've had a, a number of features that were added in the last like two versions, 5.4, 5.5, that have been of questionable use to me. Um, for example, um, uh, array offset access, things like that. Uh, but variatics and splat immediately are things that I keep. And splat, by the way, is the, um, the unpack operator, sorry. Uh, so unpacking arguments, the triple dots. Um, those two features are ones that I immediately want to start using, and I get annoyed because I'm still running 5.5 for my local environment. I don't have them yet. Um, that hasn't really happened with any other feature, even traits, which I was super excited about. Um, so, yeah, variatics and splat, super useful right off the bat. That's yeah, it, 5.6. And splat, um, the splat operator is the, the triple dot where you can um, yes, get actually any number of um, arguments from a function, right? No, so there's this same operator used in two different ways. So um, on the function definition, if you use triple dot, and then the variable name, that's a, vari a variable number of arguments coming in. So uh, after the um, named arguments, anything else that you pass in as arguments will end up in an array that is defined by that operator. Um, splat is the opposite of that. You can take anything that looks like an array, so an array or some sort of SPL type construct, and you can... Um, break it down into individual arguments for that uh, function. So for example, if you have an array that has three um, uh, properties in it, 
uh, three values in it and you do triple dot and then that variable, it'll actually pass it in as three individual arguments, um, not an array of arguments. Um, so that's actually really cool. And that works on every single function in the language. So you can use that with internal functions um, or anything. Awesome. Uh, what about something borrowed? Is there something that either PHP has borrowed from another language or that some other language or community has borrowed from PHP? We borrowed yield. Not really, but kind of. Yield's nice. For generators, right? Are you yeah. talking about the, the new generator functionality where you're able to return a little bit at a time uh, from a function instead of like the, the two gigabytes of data that you're working with, for example? Absolutely. Yield's <laughs> nice. Especially whenever you're doing cron jobs with huge data. It sucks. Yield will be nice. Will yeah, be React. nice. React PHP is really cool. React? Oh, React is yeah. very cool. Um, React for me is actually, like, if you couple that, with ng now that we've got the performance in the language and then we've got the asynchronous stuff that react brings to the table that's where i think you're going to see more performance improvements than anything because now we can start looking at background mysql and database uh, stuff and io so yeah and, react and that, is cool. how does that relate to streams um it doesn't it, or does it relate to stream that react js it's uh, non-blocking stuff right like do, do you uh, have it, a, it can a use streams board? it can use streams to do uh, to emulate the the blocking, or or rather the the um, the reactive asynchronous type stuff, um, but it doesn't really relate to streams other than being able to use them asynchronously. We're going to be having a uh, I have a list of topics for future episodes, and and talking about non-blocking stuff and React JS is definitely on the list. So make sure you get Jeremy on uh, Michael. Igor. Yeah, I I've actually um, I've hit him up, and he's he's he seems like he's interested in maybe uh, September. So um, yeah. He did and, that in uh, at Nomad this year or this month, and we had um, New Relic sponsored a Nomad meeting talking about um, PHP 5.6, and he explained the um, what do you call it, um, Davy Variatics? Yeah, Variatics. Variatics and the Splat operator. He explained those very well, um, and that episode is, I believe, up on the website for free. You can just go in and order it. There's no price to it, and um, you can, it'll send you an email on how to download it. Uh, but New Relic sponsored that one, so we're real, we're real pleased that they would do that. Cool. Um, and finally, something deprecated. What is de what is deprecated? MySQL. <laughs> MySQL. <laughs> You're looking for something that has been or something that needs to be. Whatever, whatever feels Globals. right for deprecation. Globals need to be deprecated. <laughs> of course, that would, the, 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 there's a whole community that I won't mention that, that would just piss them off. But still, the, 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 the globals need to go away. I'm sorry. Are you talking about the super globals with the? Yes, the super uh, globals. The super globals. No, 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 like, no, no, not the super globals. Just globals in general the globals command being able to promote something to or to to just say i want to use this variable in this this method you now, want the entire global state yes gone gone, gone. gone. so <laughs> it, i guess a hack kind of does that because you can't have if you have strict hack code you mm -hmm. can't write code at the top level well good um so you just move the hack would, would statics also fall under the category of globals nope static variables Nope, I'm okay with statics, but globals yeah. is the time that globals is an idea whose time has come and gone. So maybe we should. I'm going to write this down because this might be a, a good uh, topic for quite a, a whole other topic for a podcast for. Oh yeah. Three hours. <laughs> you need to get get some of the the core on here and um, let them yes. talk. <laughs> I'd love to get Liz or somebody like that on because 
One of the most fun podcasts I ever did, it was an episode of Voice of the Elephant called It's the Booze Talking, and I got several of the core members together, and we sat around <laughs> in my hotel room and drank, and um, it just really got fun. So awesome. um, Sarah was there, uh, and it was just it, it was an awesome time. But uh, those people love to talk about PHP. So if you ever wanted to put together a fun panel, get several of the core together and um, let them field questions. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for the advice. Um, Don't anybody... get booze involved. Those people get, <laughs> they get booze when they get drunk. <laughs> I think that's uh, Phil Sturgeon's motto, right? Like his, he's always in his <laughs> podcast. He's always got beer or, or some some kind of alcohol. <laughs> yep. Well, guys, um, do you guys have any final thoughts? Uh, any any closing thoughts before we? Yes, I have to say one thing. I've not name-dropped enough. I have to mention one other person, the godfather of the PHP community, Mr. Michelangelo Van Dam, the man with the coolest damn name on the whole internet. He is he embodies the PHP community more than anybody that I know. Um, Michelangelo will um, give you the shirt off his back. Uh, or his son's elephant. Yes, or he will give you his son's elephant. Um, he runs uh, the PHP Benelux, or he's in the leadership of the PHP Benelux group, the PHP Benelux conference, and um, they are just – he is just the nicest guy. And um, if you, he's one of those people that if you ever get stuck and you need some help, and you can't figure out where to go to find the answer, ask Michelangelo. He's, he's at Dragon B on Twitter. It, it, he's like me. Chances are he might not know the answer. He'll know who to tell you to go talk to. So um, got to say shout out to Mike because, uh, like I said, he embodies the PHP community more than anybody that I know. And there's a lot of people out there that embody it, but Mike just goes above and beyond. Sounds yeah, like he needs to be at the round table. Talk about this. You thing. need to invite him. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, excellent. Well, thank you guys so much for for joining this this first edition ever of uh, of the PHP Roundtable podcast. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we're going to be signing off here. So if you guys have any uh, ideas or topics for future episodes, make sure to just hit us up on Twitter at PHP Roundtable um, or go to phproundtable.com. And Victoria has something to say. I do. I just wanted to say thanks so much for uh, inviting me and thanks so much for letting me join in on this. Um, I know I didn't contribute a lot, but it was really uh, educational. And it's really great to see that there's such a vibrant uh, tech community in general. Sorry about all the background noise. Everybody just came home. No, no worries. <laughs> so uh, thank you, everybody. PHP Roundtable is recorded live using Google Hangouts on air. If you'd like to get more information about the live broadcasts, visit phproundtable.com. While you're on the site, join the mailing list to get notified about the next live episode. And hey, maybe even join the conversation at the roundtable. We'd love to hear what you have to say. The theme music is provided by Bensound at bensound.com. The PHP Roundtable logo was designed by Clint McManaman, and you can find him at mcmanaman.co. That's M-C-M-A-N-A-M-A-N dot C-O. Thanks for listening. I'm Sammy K. Powers, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode.